Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's up, people? This is a little bit more enthusiastic than yesterday. <laughs> Why are you judging my greetings? Because your greetings are, have been so like, like Fat Albert, hey, 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 and like you. I, mean, I changed just it been... up, man. I can't, I, I got to be unpredictable in some in some measure. Otherwise, it just becomes like, oh yeah. See, see, here's what people do. If you have the same thing the same way all the time, people end up. And here's what I do. Uh, so I guess others do it too. They will skip the first X amount of seconds in a podcast okay. just to get to the content. Unless there is a potential that something's different. So when Moeller comes on, you hit advanced 30 seconds. I, I forget what the number is, but yeah, somewhere thereabouts. Yeah, my phone's in the other room. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So well, there we, there you go. There you, it is. You're trying to hold on. Trying to and keep make sure nobody, attention. Yeah. There's something good about familiarity, but then yeah, I guess familiarity can it become white static. noise. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's National Cheeseburger Day. Hey, and it's Monday. Yeah, and it's National Cheeseburger. Are you going to so, go get a cheeseburger? You know, I, I I got some pretty high standards for a good. You know, actually, I did try this place called um, what's it called? It's the it's off of Preston. It's uh, there's a lot of places off of. It's Preston. off of Preston, <laughs> next to the Kroger. Uh, it's 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 a burger. Mooya, Mo, yeah, Mooya, Mooya burger. That's that's a good burger. It is a good burger. I, I mean, it's an expensive burger, but it's a good burger. They also have did. very good milkshakes. I have not tried the milkshakes, but the burger was quite good. Okay, I, I, I'm still a big fan of it now. I feel like it's your biggest bang for your buck, and maybe that's my California, but I'm okay with that. I really love In and Out. No, I like In and Out, but In and Out is a unique thing. Like I'm good at comparing mcdonald's burger king wendy's like i think those three are in a category that match Similar, themselves yeah but when somebody's like well in and out's better than water burger i'm like what they're yeah. different burgers they're trying to do different things like in and out is very specialized on what they do they it's like one thing it's and a matter it's, of state pride yeah I, and that's is proud of their water burger and that's fair although i i don't find many texans bowing up about water burger i find a lot of californians bowing up about in and out it's like there's an insecurity that they're like here and they have to be like yeah but in and out's better it's like okay fine i don't know it's insecurity more than it is an awareness like hey when you get the best i just it's 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 what c.s lewis calls that that circuit of praise like it praise isn't complete until it's expressed and so when you really care about something, you have to express it. And that's what Californians do with their in and out. They have to let people know it's really good, better than what they've tried before. Yeah, but I'm not going to be like, dude, my, my Corolla gets better gas mileage than a dump truck. That's different. Like, they're different categories. No, but okay, you missed my point. And it's again, C.S. Lewis, the, the praise is not complete until it's expressed. And that's, the, I think, that's the way God designs us. When we really love something, we have to let other people know, like, this is so good. It's better than what you when what you're enjoying. This is better than that. No, see, that's contempt. That's not praise anymore. That's it's not contempt. contempt. We do the same thing with with Jesus. We go to other people like hey, so. In and out is Jesus. No, I say we do the same thing with Jesus. We tell people, hey, your religion's wrong. You think yours is good? This is way better. This is the way that you. So in life. and out is worthy of worship. Yes. Hey, let's get to that's Ecclesiastes. Exactly what I'm Ecclesiastes saying. four through six. I'll get there after I go worship my burger. I'll be okay. right back. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Oh, this has gone out of control now. Ecclesiastes 4, 
we're talking about oppression now and uh he's lamenting the, i do feel oppressed <laughs> good i'm glad um he's lamenting those that are are oppressed and there's no one to come to their aid and he makes a bold statement there he says those who are dead and already dead they're, they're more fortunate than the living who are still alive and, and having to suffer under oppression there um again the the vanity in and then he goes back to this idea of of toil and work in verse four uh and it's the man's envy of his neighbor and vanity and striving after the wind it, it's he's going right after the heart of materialism and the culture that that he lived in there and, and certainly this applies to our culture too so many people work so hard to be better than the joneses and he's going why why what's the point it's it's vanity um, but then the the fool verse five on the other hand the one who doesn't work he, he's the one who folds his hand well he destroys himself and that's vanity too that's what it means there when he folds his hand and he eats his own flesh he's lazy and his laziness leads to his own destruction uh, better is a handful of quietness contentment verse six than two hands full of striving after a wind vanity under the sun eyes are never satisfied with riches the one that always wants more and more and more and more it's a danger that we have to avoid it's a danger that's easy to fall prey to in in our culture one of the themes that continued to recur to me as i read through ecclesiastes is the concept of sanctified indifference that there is a good and righteous kind of indifference to the way that other families live and do their thing hmm. so m- many of my neighbors have teslas and some have some really nice cars and i think now well, we just we just got like a i got a honda civic and a honda odyssey like, you know, not not bad cars by any stretch, but they're not the nice cars. If I were if I were falling into the trap that Ecclesiastes warns against, I might look at them and say, "Well, I should have a Tesla. Well, they got one. Why don't I have one? Right? Or they've got these other things, and why don't I have that thing? Maybe I need to step up my game and go take out a big loan and do this or that." And I think Ecclesiastes warns us against that because there's no end to that. Right. Once you start that game, there's no end, and everybody loses. Rather, the righteous and wise man and woman have a sanctified indifference of, uh, hey, that's really great for you guys. I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Hope, hopefully you're successful in those ventures and to be happy with what you got. Right. And that's that's it. We've got to guard against the flip side, too, as Christians and judge those that have those things and say, well, clearly, you know, they're materialistic because they have. Right. right, right? right, right. And, and that's what Solomon is saying. Look, if God's giving you the gifts, great. Enjoy them. Right. Enjoy them. Don't make them the ultimate thing, though. Right. God's the ultimate thing. Uh Verses 13 through uh, 16 can be a little bit confusing here, but basically he's, he's talking about the fleeting nature even of political clout here. He's saying, look, there was a, an old king who once gained power and he had friends and he had, he had influence and, and he was listening to his advisors, but then he stopped listening to his advisors and then he lost that power and that influence. And now there's a, a young lad who is poor, but he's ascending and, and he's the one that's on the rise now. And so he's just talking even there about the even position clout power is is not going to satisfy us because it will fleet as well pop quiz when you preached this at the old church what was your point on this uh, on this passage oh man i have no idea no idea i, I, remember no, your points? I could not remember that's amazing i remember all my points from all my sermons no you don't i do not i'm just kidding <laughs> i do not i wish i knew i could pull it up but i i, I have no idea that's funny uh, chapter five, then I, I love the beginning of chapter five. I think it's a, it's a helpful application for us that we need to be careful when we come to worship. We need to be careful as we approach God's house. And uh, here he's, he's talking about making vows. That's not something that we do so much a- anymore. When we would go, I, I always think of Jephthah's tragic vow, right? When he said, uh, you know, if, if God, if you deliver me in this regard, I will sacrifice to you the first thing that walks out of my house when I get home. And I think he's thinking that this is going to be Fido. Right. And he comes out and you're like, Annie, what did you do? Right. Right. It's his daughter. And, and that's Solomon saying, don't vow and then not pay. You need to pay what you vow. Pay up. 
to, to the Lord. You promise God something. And, and, and I think there's still some application for this. We need to be careful not to be flippant with saying, God, if you do this for me, then I will do this for you. Or um, mechanical or formulaic. God's not a slot machine. He's not a He's not an AI. Right. Cosmic vending machine. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. But we need to be careful and even going with a posture of humility to listen rather than to multiply words. And that's a, an important thing as well as we worship him um, and go before him. I see Matt Redman's song in here. Do you see that? Your God in heaven and I'm here on earth. Therefore, uh, yeah. I'll let my words be few. You see that in verse two? Yep. Yep. And I it, read, every time I read, I think that's Matt Redman right there. Yep. Yeah, when he goes on and, yeah. Jesus, I am so in love. love. Yeah, Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Uh, and then he goes on and and comes back to this idea of the vanity of wealth and uh, and, in its fleeting nature and that we can never be satisfied. I mean, look at verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. This is one of the richest men that have ever walked the face of the planet telling us, if you think you're going to be satisfied with money, you're not going to be satisfied with money. It it, it won't do it. Look at verse 11. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. There's the principle that there's the problem. You have a lot of money. Great. You just want more expensive things. Your desires go up. Your your wealth increases. What you want increases. And so it's never enough, Mm -hmm. right? You always want more. The Greatest Showman, right? That song, Never Enough. Never, never. Exactly. That Solomon was singing that. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know that. Instead, what do we want? We want verse 12. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats a little or much. We want that satisfaction with the day's work that we've put in. And we can go to bed and we can rest knowing that we've put in the hard work and we're content with what we have instead of the full stomach of the rich that doesn't let him sleep. It's funny because scripture's perspective on wealth and money is so different than than Americans' perspectives, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 that if you have food and clothing with these, we should be content. Food and clothing, Pastor PJ. I mean, I'd be happy with food, clothing, internet, a good iPhone, a nice pair of pants that are, I guess that's clothing. (laughs) I feel like my needs list and scripture's needs list are probably different. Yeah. And that means that I need to change that. I need to see that differently. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about our stewardship in, in the rest of chapter five there on, on verse 13 and following where he's even talking about the, the, the grievous evil of a father who made a bad business venture trying to get more and then he had nothing to give his children and he's saying this is a, a bad thing this is a sorrowful thing this is a, a vain thing it's a, a hurtful thing but then again in, in the end of chapter five we get another glimpse of this idea that there is something that we can find good in and that is to enjoy the things that god has given us while we have the few days of our life that god has given us to enjoy and, and as we do that we can do that with the mindset of it's not the ultimate thing but it is a good thing and he's given it to us to to be enjoyed and in fact when we do that look at verse 20 for he will not much remember the days of his life because god keeps him occupied with joy in his heart when we have contentment with what god has given to us and when we enjoy the things that god has given to us not as the ultimate thing but as a good thing our, our lives pass without concern over our days because God's keeping us content in the joy of our hearts. Mm. I think an important phrase there in verse 19 is that, that sense of power to enjoy them. Um, it's exactly what you're getting at. The idea of being content, I think it takes such a deliberate intentionality and such a work of God in our hearts that, I mean, that's what he says. It's, it's the power to mm. enjoy them. God has to enable us kind of unlocking that, that place in our minds and heart where we can actually do that. Uh, chapter six, I know we're going to get there, uh, but there is the corresponding opposite where God gives people possessions and honor and wealth and all the above, and yet doesn't give them the power to enjoy them. Instead, a stranger enjoys them. This is the vanity and grievous evil that he warns against. So don't underestimate the power of that thought there. That's huge. If you can learn to be content with what you got, man, that's that's grace and that's a good thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, in fact, in in chapter six, there it's it, it, verse three. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with them, and he has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It's graphic. It is horribly graphic, and yet poignant. Um, yeah, God's good gifts. I, I just made a note here. God's good gifts are meant to be enjoyed, but not to satisfy us. If we're looking at them to satisfy us. Um, to, to be the ultimate. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Um, all the toil of man is for his mouth and yet his appetite is not satisfied. Verse seven, again, as we, as goods increase, so do those who want more. Uh, verse nine, such a good one and, and helpful for, to teach our kids. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering app of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. I, I, I don't want to throw my, my parents under the boat, bus on this, especially <laughs> since my mom listens to the podcast. And I think my dad does as well. But man, I, I think this is a lesson that I could have learned better possibly. And I, I hope I teach my kids this, right? Like it, it's, it's good to be content with what you have rather than always focusing on what you want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's something that is a good principle for us to, to hold, hold on to and, and to communicate to our families. So how does someone balance that with being in a, in a godly sense ambitious. And again, granted, the wisdom literature is not trying to offer nuance or qualifications, but let's balance that because yeah. that's true in yeah. its own right. But there's also a corresponding truth that if you're just, if you're happy as a, what, there's so many different ways to say this. If you're happy in your own filth and you're slop, and you're like, well, this is, this is, this is, I'm good. I'm content. Right. Pastor PJ, don't tell me to clean my room. Right. And he might say, or Josh might say, right. how do you respond to that? Well, I think that the, the ideology he's combating here is idolatry. He's combating covetousness. He's combating that thing that says, I want this. And if I get this, then I'll be happy instead of going, well, if you look at what you have, don't you have enough um, with what you have? Is that thing really going to make you happy? What if someone wants something and they're not deluding themselves and saying it's going to make me happy, but I just really want that thing. Is there any sense in which that it can still be covetousness without having the idolatry in place? In other words, I mean, I guess I'm, seems like I'm kind of getting toward materialism. Yeah. I just want more stuff. I think that would be really cool to have the new, you know, AirPod 12 max pro ultra, you know, plus signs. Right. But I, I, I think that is idolatry. I think we're idolizing that thing by saying this. Why do I want that? Well, I want that because I think it's going to make me happier than I am now. We're, we're seeking satisfaction and fulfillment in something other than God. And that doesn't mean that we can never buy those things or have those things. I think there's a time for that and, and, and that's appropriate. And you can, you can have something that's nice and new and, and not be idolatrous. But I think if there's a dissatisfaction that grinds against your heart, wherein there's a discontentment with, with the things that you do have and you think, well, I'm, I, I need that in order to be happy, then I think we've, we've crossed a line. So what would it look like then to want something appropriately? Given that reality, it seems like right. we don't want to demonize desire right. because desire is not inherently bad. Right. Desire gone wrong is where it gets difficult. So talk people through then what it would look like to, I, I might joke about wanting a Tesla. Right. And if I could have a Tesla, I'd want the one with the wings that, sh- that you know, do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, I want that. Well, when it, does it become wrong? It, I think if we think about it in, in ans- and How ask ourselves, right. <laughs> right. And maybe let me come at it from that angle. If we ask ourselves, okay, 
how can getting that number one we need to ask ourselves is it is it feasible for me to obtain this right yes am, it is am i not going to go into debt in order to obtain this well, massive debt to and things get like a car, that you're gonna yeah i'm right. going to debt for a car is this a wise decision it's a great decision if we can check that box then the question becomes how is this going to allow me to serve the lord more effectively than i am now i'll be able like, to get to church way faster yeah can i redeem this in such a way that it my primary drive is and this is going to set me up okay airpods right I can use this to make more phone calls to encourage to people in my community group and encourage them. I can use it to listen to more podcasts. Like I'm, I'm not getting it to sit there and binge, you know, shows on Netflix and sit in the corner in my room all by myself. Like I think there's ways for us to think through how is this going to further my ability to serve the Lord? What is this? How do I become not a slave to the the item that I want, but this becomes a a servant to my ability to glorify God. So if you were to, so a, a simple rubric, then if I'm, if I want a thing, the question that you would suggest we all ask is, uh, how do, how does this help me serve the Lord better? Is that kind of the idea here? Yeah. And if it doesn't, then I probably shouldn't get it or I shouldn't do it. And again, I think it comes down to our heart, right? In this, I think God, to the Solomon's point gives us things to be enjoyed. Right. right? And I think that there's an, an element to be able to enjoy something just in 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 that moment enjoying it to be glorifying god through our enjoyment of it for example going to watch a, a baseball game does that make me a better servant of christ to spend money on a ticket to a baseball game no to but, get a manicure pedicure does that make me a better servant of christ? not, or, not or that i do that i'm saying for a woman a woman who gets right it. or to get our hair cut or whatever does that make a, hair a better servant of christ uh, no it doesn't effectively make us a better servant of christ to have a new shirt or a new jacket or things. I think these are good gifts from God that we can enjoy as gifts from him. As, and I, I still think to your point on, on in and out to bring it back to that, there's an opportunity for us to, to worship him, even in the enjoyment of those good, good gifts to say, God, thank you for allowing me to, to be able to get this. I, I know I don't need it, but I'm, I'm grateful to have it. So does how much someone have? So okay, uh, if we're talking about net worth. Yeah. If I'm Elon and I have bajillions yeah. um, and I spend $500,000 on a new car. Right. Does that, does that make a difference at all? If I, you know, I will have the desire, I have the, the income. Right. It's more reasonable for me as Elon versus me as pastor rock. Cause that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, it would. Um, <laughs> one of my, my old mentors, uh, address this issue because he had a, a missionary friend of his who had sold everything he had and went to the mission field. And, uh, this guy had been successful in his business and he's currently on the mission field and doing great work for, for the Lord and is doing good things on the mission field right now. He reached out to my, my mentor who also had done relatively well for himself and said, Hey, why don't you sell everything you have and, and come on the mission field too? And my mentor's response to him was, Hey, you know what? I could do that, but then eventually that's going to run out. Somebody has to hold the rope, so to speak. So I, I say that to get back to this, my mentor lived in a nice house and drove a, a really nice car, but I, I knew knowing him and kind of being on able to have that, that level of relationship with him. I mean, I, I knew he was giving a, a way more than my paycheck, right. Mm -hmm. To, to different things and to the church and to support missionaries and things. So we need to be careful not to look at somebody who makes a, a, a grandiose purchase and, and automatically conclude, man, that guy is materialistic or he's doing something Less wrong than I am. For right. Sure, right. Because maybe he's giving way more than, than you'll ever net in, in all of your working career, it's just God's blessed him with that much more money. And for him to buy a $500,000 house or car or whatever is a drop in the bucket compared to his salary. And he's giving, 
you know, way more than that to, to the church and to other things like that. And so we can't sit back and judge people for what they drive, what they wear, anything else like that, because we don't know. What a helpful conversation. I could ask many more questions, but this is a good starting place for us to think about materialism, wealth, possessions. I think uh, Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about that, but it, it offers little and, and by way of nuance, which is yeah. what I think this conversation was helpful for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Um, uh, I, I, let me just zoom in on, on verse five. I think verse five is helpful. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience is, when your obedience rather is complete, when your disobedience is complete. A lot of times we hear that take every thought captive and we, we personalize that. We're like, okay, that's my job. I need to take every thought captive. But contextually, he's talking about the arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. So these are our thoughts that people are introducing that are causing us to doubt or question the gospel or question the goodness of God or question the existence of God. And, and he's commending that, that we need to destroy those things. We need to engage with those. We need to make sure that we are doing battle with that. Somebody once said to me, you know, apologetics is not really what we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on, on evangelism because apologetics never saves anyone. Well, I think Paul's commending us to apologetics in so many ways here in second Corinthians 10, five by saying anything that's raised against God, we need to be ready to take that captive and destroy it and go to, to war against it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's more here in Second Corinthians chapter ten, but uh, but Paul is defending himself here, and uh, and, and uh, real quick, I guess, just in verse fifteen, his hope here. Our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. In other words, I'm hoping that our our investment in you will multiply, and and the gospel will go out further because of the impact that it's having in your life. So one thing I'd, I'd like to point out is verse eight. I think this is something you should keep in mind when you're looking for a good pastor, good leader. Um, the reason for Paul's authority, boasting of his authority, is the authority that he's using is that which the Lord gave him for building yeah. them up and not for destroying. Yeah. The essence of, of good leadership and good authority and the right use of that authority is to edify, to build, to serve the body um, and not to not to exploit the body, not to steal the the bennies for themselves, but to use those bennies in service to others. That's a, that's a sign of a good leader. Bennies? Benefits? Benefits. Okay. Gotcha. I was like, Benny Hins? Benny Hins, yes. Benny, Benny Hins. Yeah. <laughs> Benny and the Jets. Hey, well, you know what? You should go get a cheeseburger today because it is National Cheeseburger Day. So I, I probably will. Go enjoy a cheeseburger for the glory of God. That's right. And be think satisfied about us. And be satisfied. Yep. And be satisfied. And think about us. Get, get the most expensive burger you can. There you go. And then think about it. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.